In verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 3, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we, we don't stop worship when the music cuts off. We continue to worship over your word, God, because it is so uh, amazing to us. It is life and health to all of our flesh. And I thank you, Lord, that you use it to encourage our souls this morning and to renew our minds this morning to who you are and what you've done and, and what you are doing in us. I thank you for eyes of faith to see. Uh, and for ears that would be inclined to hear what the Spirit would say today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul starts out this third chapter. He says, for this reason, now he's written about some other things leading up to this. Uh, we, we finished last week talking about how we were alienated from God, right? We were dead in our sins and trespasses, and we were also alienated from his people, uh, from being a part of the people of God. We were those who were far off that he has by the blood of Jesus brought near. And he is following that up. He's like, for this reason, I, Paul, and he's about to uh, pray over them. He's about to say a prayer over the Gentiles. But when he, when he starts saying this, he interrupts himself. Uh, he interrupts himself because his mind moves from one thing where he thought he was going to another spot where he is going to go for a little bit instead. Uh, and he won't finish this little interruption until verse 14 when he'll pick back up and speak that prayer over the Gentiles. But we get this new stream of thought from him where he starts off and he says, I, Paul, uh, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he breaks and he's like, while I'm mentioning that, before I move on to something else, let me, let me tell you about this and similar thing happened to me when I was studying this when I came across verse 1 and 2. Because I had intended on covering at least through verse uh, 7 and maybe even 13 today. But when I got started, uh, 1 and 2 just expanded out. And then that's where we're going to be today. Where he says, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, I came back with three questions. You know, I ask questions as I'm going through this. And, and the first question was, how do you view yourself when circumstances are difficult? How do you view yourself when things aren't going like you thought that they would go? Right. Have you ever felt stuck? Stuck in what you were doing, stuck in where you were. You weren't as far as you thought you would be. It, things weren't as good as you thought that they would be. They didn't look like you thought that they would. And you just feel stuck in that difficulty, right? We've all felt that way. And the question is, when it gets like that, 
How do we view ourselves? Because Paul is telling us how he views himself. He was, we know that when he wrote this and when he's calling himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus, he was literally in prison at the time. He was literally in prison at the time that he wrote this. When we went through the book of Acts, towards the end of the book of Acts, we see Paul say, I'm going to Jerusalem. And they say, what do you want to do that for? When you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be imprisoned and maybe even killed. Why are you going to Jerusalem? But he returned to Jerusalem because he was compelled by the spirit, knowing that it meant his imprisonment. He knew that. Because when they came and prophesied it over him and they said, the Lord has showed us if you go back to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. And he says, you don't think I've seen that, too? I'm aware of what is going to happen. And nevertheless, I'm still going to go. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm ready uh, not only to be bound, but even to die for the name of Jesus. He was aware that this was going to happen. And he's preaching, starting there in Jerusalem, what he had been preaching everywhere else is that Jesus is the Messiah. He was the one that was promised in the Old Testament that he had come in the flesh, that he was crucified, dead and buried, and he rose on the third day, ascended to heaven. And then what that meant for us, the payment for our sins, not just the nation of Israel, but also the nations, including the Gentiles. And every time he got to that part is when things would get wild. When he said this is for the Gentiles, for the peoples of the world, for the nations as well, it would it it, it would go off the rails when people heard that because they didn't want to hear. There was a riot at the temple. He was put into prison. He was put on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. There was a riot in the Sanhedrin. He was put back into prison and then sent to the governor to be put on to trial. And when he was on trial before the governor, the governor said, I don't find any fault with you. I don't think you've done anything wrong. I'm going to send you back to Jerusalem. Paul says, I don't think you're going to do that because if you send me back to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. I want to go before Caesar. I want to appeal this all the way to the Supreme Court. I want my case to be heard all the way and as high as it can go. And so he ended up before King Agrippa. He was still in prison after that. And then he sailed for Rome where he would appear before Caesar. He would appear before the emperor. He was shipwrecked on the way. We read all about that. We talked all about it in the book of Acts. And then we know at the end of the book of Acts, he ends up in Rome, imprisoned. That's where he was. That's the background of this statement in verse 1. He was in prison. But notice he doesn't say he's a prisoner of Rome, does he? Even though technically that's whose chains he was wearing was Rome. He was wearing Roman chains, but he said, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He wrote this letter. He was in Roman custody awaiting trial before Nero. You may have heard history. You know, Buffs, you may be familiar with him. The Jewish prosecutors were going to come. They were going to present their case against him. He's in prison in Rome. He did have certain privileges. He was in a rented house. That's nice. People were his friends were able to come and visit him, bring him the things that he needed. But nevertheless, and we know from the the text and from history, he was almost the whole time chained, cuffed to a Roman jailer. He was in their custody. 
And even so, he doesn't consider himself a prisoner of Rome or Nero. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And when he says that, he's given us a glimpse into his attitude at that time. Remember, our attitude is how we think and how we feel about everything. You know, when you say, well, you just got a bad attitude today. What does that mean? It means you're not thinking well or acting well about anything. Or, oh, they've got a really good attitude. What does that mean? They've got a good outlook. They're thinking good. They're doing good. Your attitude is the way you think and feel about everything. And we, we notice that sometimes. Have you ever said that to yourself? I got a bad attitude today. You may not be able to track back why you have one, and you may not convince yourself to do anything about it, but you can know, I got a bad attitude today. Somebody may get one today, right? We feel that. It's how we think and we feel about everything, and obviously that flows from what we've been feeding ourselves on and what we've been thinking on, but Paul gives us a glimpse into his attitude when he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Nero or I'm a prisoner of Rome. As I was studying this, I came across a little story. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it's it 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 helps and reinforce the point. Even if it's completely fictional, it talked about a man named Sir Christopher Wren. And he was the one in charge of building St. Paul's Cathedral in London. If you've seen it, it's amazing. Um. But he was building that and he's, he's walking around the site and he, he stopped three people who were doing similar jobs and asked them what they were doing. Hey, young man, what are you doing? And the first one said, I'm cutting this stone into this shape so that it can go here. OK, he goes to another one. Young man, what are you doing? He said, I'm earning a living by doing this work. I'll make this much this week. OK. Goes to the third young man. Young man, what are you doing? And he stood up straight and tall and he said, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren build St. Paul's Cathedral. See, they're doing the same thing. Three people doing the same thing. The first one had just a basic grasp on what was going on. That's all his understanding was, was basic. I cut this, this goes here, that's what I do. The second one understood it on a little bit larger scale that I'm bringing value to this situation and I'm from that going to get value back. Right. Something's coming back to me. This is how I earn my living. And the third one, even though he was doing the same thing, the first two were doing his view was more grand. What am I doing? I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren build and construct St. Paul's Cathedral. He understood that even though he was doing something small, it was part of a great and grand task. He had a bigger picture view of what was going on. So again, this question, how do we view ourselves when circumstances are difficult? How do we view ourselves and our situation when things are tough? Paul knew that Rome wasn't Lord over his situation. That's what he's declaring when he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus and not I'm a prisoner of Rome. Christ was Lord over his situation, even over his imprisonment. If you remember the story, and I just shared part of it with you at the beginning, he could have not gone. 
He could have not gone to Jerusalem. He could have not gone to Rome. He could have not been in prison. He could have lived a quiet life in Ephesus or in Antioch. He could have moved to the suburbs. He could have worked with his hands and hung out with his friends. He didn't have to go. He didn't have to go. But Christ himself had told him. And he tells it, I think it's in the account when he's talking to King Agrippa. He said, Christ said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me says the Lord. Acts 26. He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles so they'll turn from darkness to light, the power of Satan to the power of God, that they'll have their sins forgiven and they'll have a share in the inheritance of those who have faith and are being sanctified in Christ Jesus. He didn't have to go, but his encounter with Jesus compelled him to go. Because his encounter with Jesus changed his life. It changed his perspective, his priorities, his attitude. It changed his purpose. His purpose wasn't just him anymore. If his purpose was just him, he's not going. Why would he? Why would he go and be in chains in Rome when he could have lived comfortably the rest of his mortal life in this world? Because it was not in himself. And so for him to think of himself, he's like, prisoner of Rome? Rome is nothing. Rome is nothing. I've met Jesus. I'm not afraid of Rome. I'm not troubled by wearing this chain. It is for Christ that I wear this chain. How do we see ourselves when circumstances get difficult? Do we see ourselves as victims of it or do we see ourselves still as a part of what Christ is doing in the earth? How do we see ourselves when situations get difficult? How do we see God when circumstances and situations get difficult? What is our attitude towards him? Again, if you've been here for any part of this going up to where we are in chapter three, he's written some awesome and amazing things about God in the first part of Ephesians. Just beautiful things. High thought things about who God is and what he's done and what he's doing in the earth. And he wrote all that while wearing chains. Wrote every single bit of it while being imprisoned in Rome. And he's only wearing those chains because he's been preaching that the Gentiles have a share in the kingdom. That's why he's wearing the chains. That's why he's been beaten and uh, threatened with death. That's why he's been hunted is because he keeps preaching this good news that we see him outline in the first part of Ephesians. That's the only reason that he's wearing these chains. What would our attitude be towards God if we were in that situation? Let's say, but what would we struggle with in that situation, right? I have a feeling that for most of us, 
If we were getting hunted and threatened with death, beaten with rods and stoned for what we were saying about Jesus, we might feel led to a new area. <laughs> I just feel the Lord leading me away from here. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here anymore. Spirits just move. This is a different season. It's time for me to go. Right? That's how we would be. I would be, I would struggle with that at least. I'd be like, Lord, I don't, they keep hitting me. We talk like it's tough on us. And he was literally getting beaten and stoned and threatened with death. You remember when the brothers took the blood oath? They they said, we're not going to eat again until we kill this guy. They, They put a kill curse on themselves. And this is what he's working with. How, are, how am I interacting with God when I'm like, what I'm doing for you is kind of, it's kind of getting hot down here. It's getting a little bit heated. Would we still seek him? Would we still trust him? What is our attitude towards him when things are difficult? Right? We, you know, we're Americans. We're like, we like being free. I think that's good. We'd feel a little bit held back if we were imprisoned for the cause of Christ, wouldn't we? We'd be praying like, Lord, if you would just let me out of here, I could get so much more done. If you would just let me out of can you imagine the conference I could have? Paul could host a conference. Barnabas could come. He might even be able to get some of the brothers from Jerusalem to come. They could have speakers that you've never seen before. People would pay all kinds of money to come and hear a conference like that. We could have a big, we could have a big to-do. Biggest one there's ever been. Lord, you're holding me back, having me in prison. I could go back to Ephesus, Lord. I could go back to Antioch. I could meet with more people. Do you know how much more I could do for you if you would just let me out of here? In here, all I can do is write these letters. In here, all I can do is write a letter to the Ephesians and to the Colossians and to the Philippians. And write Philemon. That's all I can do in here is write these letters. We'd feel like that wasn't very much, wouldn't we? And yet he's still using those letters today. We know that he wrote all of those, at least those, while he was there in prison in Rome. Have you read Colossians? We're in Ephesians right now. Philippians? Where he talks to us about our attitude. Where he says your attitude needs to be like Christ's attitude. But we'd feel held back, wouldn't we? Lord, you're just not using me. You're just not using. I need to be set free from here. You're just not used. Why am I? St- he was there for two years in Rome in chains. We'd be like, Lord, I don't know if you're, you're listening to me anymore. What's our attitude towards God when things are tough? Do we still trust him? Do we still seek him? Do we still let him use us the way he's wanting to use us? Or do we try to tell him that he's wrong? You don't understand. I could really be doing this a whole lot better if you would just let me do that. And yet he said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. So. And you have to apply this to yourself with wisdom. Okay, I'm going to trust you with that. In those times where you're feeling held back, in those times where you're feeling stuck, you need to ask yourself, Lord, are you holding me back or are you holding me in place? Maybe you're not holding me back. Maybe you're holding me in place for a good that I can't even see yet. 
to accomplish something that I can't even see yet. One of the things I can see just looking back, if Paul's not in prison in Rome, he's probably dead. He's probably died before he's got here. Again, so many people trying to kill him, include, you know, flesh and blood people. But he said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. They were after Paul because he was preaching the mystery. He was preaching the revelation. We've got to shut that down. He probably would have been dead. I don't think living outside was an option for him, partially because he wasn't going to hush and stop preaching it. He couldn't stop. He's like, I've seen it. I can't stop. I can't stop telling bound people that they can be free in Jesus, even if I catch a whipping for it. I have to keep doing this. He probably would have been dead. And who knows what else the Lord was doing that he wouldn't have otherwise accomplished if he had more of those chains. So we have a way of going to the Lord and telling him he's done us wrong. You're, you're holding me in this place. You're holding me back. I'm stuck here. God, I got nothing but these kids. I'm not tired of taking care of these kids. I just got to get these kids grown. But I, I feel stuck here. But maybe he's got you in place there for a reason. To raise them up in the fear and the knowledge of God. Lord, I don't know why. I don't know why you got me stuck at this job. I've been trying to quit and can't. I've been trying to get out of here and can't. I've been trying to do something else and can't. I don't know why I'm still here. Maybe he's got me here. Maybe he's not holding me back. Maybe he's holding me in place. To either bless me in a way I'm not seeing, to preserve me in a way I'm not seeing, or to send me ahead to preserve somebody else. How do we think about him when things are difficult. There's just a couple of examples. You could go into everything of, Lord, why am I being constrained? Maybe you know a little bit more than I do. Maybe you're smarter than I am. Maybe if I walk with you and I trust you, you'll begin to reveal it to me that I'm not being held back, but I'm being preserved. I'm being held in place and I'm here on purpose and for a purpose. And if I quit fussing about it, you might show me what it is. Paul walked closely with the Lord and he knew he was where he was supposed to be in spite of the difficulty and in spite of the struggle. And again, if I asked us to raise our hand, who, who's ever felt like that? All those things I outlined, we'd all raise our hands. We've all been that way. And that's why he's able to speak to us today. A few weeks ago, we had a long conversation, um, a surprisingly long conversation out of one of our icebreaker questions on Wednesday night, which was, what is success? What is success? And it ended up being a deeper thought experiment than I thought it was going to be. For us as believers, for us as human beings walking in the kingdom of God, what is success? Is it ease? Is it comfort? Is it lack of difficulty and adversity? No, it's not. But that's usually what we seek after, isn't it? Just want everything to be easy. I just want everything to work right. I just want to have everything in place. I just want to have everything where I need it. I don't want to have to deal with any adversity. That's what I want. That's what I'm seeking. Listen, we cannot shrink back from difficult, good things. There are difficult, good things in your life 
that you are going to have to continue to choose. Challenges and struggles, at least challenges and struggles by themselves, aren't enough to say, I need to back off from this. Just something being difficult isn't enough to say, okay, it was difficult. You should probably quit that. Okay, this wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. I should probably just back up and back off. Running into difficulty and running into struggles. Just by that, there can be other things that we can talk into and, and, and reading things wisely and, and looking at and being led by the Spirit. But just because something's difficult doesn't mean I should quit it. It may be that that's when I need to settle in and contend. It may be that that's when I need to get closer to him and see, okay, what are you doing and how can I better walk during this time? Maybe you want me wearing this chain. Maybe you want me next to this Roman jailer this whole time. What do I need to do in that moment? I'm going to pray for you to turn. What, what did Paul say when he said, you know, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me and I prayed the Lord take it away. It's okay to pray at first to take it away. He said, I prayed it take away. And what was the Lord's answer? My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Difficulty and struggle alone isn't the sign that it's time to back off and back down. It may be time to step in closer and to contend. When things are difficult, he said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. How do we think about ourselves? And how do we think about God? When things are difficult. And then number three, how do we think about others? How do we view others when circumstances are difficult, when life is hard? What did he say? I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. A prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. What's he telling us? This isn't about me. It's about Christ first and the Gentiles second. The others second. I'm his prisoner on your behalf. That's who I am and that's what I'm doing. Paul's saying, it's my affliction, but it's for your benefit. I'm being afflicted in telling you this, but in me telling you this, you're going to be comforted. I was thinking about it. Did you know the Gentiles didn't call themselves Gentiles? Right? Who called them Gentiles? The Jews called them Gentiles. That was the word for the outsiders. That was the word for those who worshiped other gods, who were of the other nations. That's what that word was used for. The unclean, even undesirable. A Jew referred to them as Gentiles. They didn't refer to themselves that way. But Paul said, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He said, you have heard, haven't you? Verse 2 about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. God has administered grace to Paul for the Gentiles so that they might benefit. And we'll talk about that next week, that message to the Gentiles. Again, as we as we begin to wrap this up today, thinking on when circumstances are difficult, when things are hard and things are hard, right? We could go down the list of all the things that can make life difficult in every independent situation. We'd find some commonalities and we'd find some variety. When things are difficult, how do I view myself? 
How do I view God? And how do I view others? Because my goal is going to be that I walk closely enough with Him and with His people so that I can, as Scripture would say, discern the times that I know the difference. That I can know that I am where I'm supposed to be versus I am where I'm not supposed to be. There are some places you need to leave. There are some places you need to be away from. And you're going to have to walk with Him in order to know the difference. You're going to have to walk with Him in order to know the difference. And when you don't have a choice, I think you're probably supposed to be there. (laughs) If He closes off the other doors, probably supposed to be there. Again, I can deal with difficulties that are my own foolishness's fault. My own sin in my own life. Something that someone else has done to me that, that, that was evil. Those can be reasons that things are difficult. And again, that's why I need to be walking with him. Because I can deal with those things. And cleanse those situations. But there are times where it's for a higher purpose. Maybe, maybe... You're in that difficult spot because he wants to do something there that you're going to be a part of and that you're going to help with. He said, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles, on behalf of somebody else. To help other people, it's always going to be difficult for you. I don't mean difficult, like it's hard for you to do, but it is going to be something that's not easy to do, right? We, we, we see this, and I was thinking through just all the different things that we've seen, all the different outflows that we've seen over the last few years. You know, overcomers being one of, the, one of the first ones. I mean, I don't know if you've ever run into Danny on Mondays, but he's got a lot going on. His day is really full. Carolyn, too. I mean, the other ones that are helping. But, but, but I see him and go, this is his whole day on Monday. To have everything ready for a six o'clock to eight o'clock meeting that night. There's a whole lot of stuff that he's not able to do because he's, he's busy doing that. There's a whole bunch of things that he's putting off doing because he's busied himself doing that. And it's not easy. It's, I mean, cooking for that many people once a week. And he carries a big part of that, a big part of the cooking plan and that and, and purposing. But... He does it. Why? Because he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus on behalf of others. I may be constricted on my Mondays and really most of the week. I may be constricted on this, but I believe that Christ has me doing something for others benefit. And so I wear that chain so that somebody else can be set free from theirs. You see that connection there? They're going into the into the jail. Once a week. Hours out of that Sunday afternoon that we all love that Sunday afternoon knowing, oh, it's the best time. It's a blessed time. But giving up that time and giving up time before that to say, I can't just walk in there and talk off the top of my head. These folks need to hear an on time word from the Holy Spirit. And I know Marty will spend the whole week before preparing. She'll talk to me about what she's going to share when she goes into the jail that week. And again, it's constricting. It's constraining. It's difficult. When you come out from that, when you come out from uh, doing that meeting, you are exhausted. You have expended your energy on behalf of somebody else. You're wearing a chain 
so that they can be hearers of the message of hope. Should we talk about the folks that go back here with our kids? You want to talk about constrained? You're constrained. And you are tired. You can't do everything else you wanted to do today because you might have to take a nap. Right? But the ones that, that commit, you know, Lacey commits every Wednesday night. She said, I'm going to be the one back there. I'm going to love on these kids. I'm going to try to get them to sit down long enough to learn a little bit about the Bible. And a little bit about the hope that is in Christ. And what do we know? We know what a difference that makes. Just one trip back there, it can make a difference. It's not going to make a bunch of difference. That's what I've learned more and more in life. You can have these light bulb moments, but if it's a light bulb moment and it's not followed up by anything else, guess what's going to happen? The light bulb's going to go off. That, that reinforcing over and over, whether it's with our kids back here, our teenagers, and Alyssa back here on this side, to be thinking about them all week. And, and Lord, what do they need to hear? How can I best encourage them? I'm going to have to get up there and talk, and they're going to look at me like this. This is how all of them are going to sit. Lord, how can, can I do that? Can I make it through that? I need you to help me. Right? Being constrained. How many snow cones have people made? Kemper and Latasha had their, half their house taken up by clothes that have been donated that they're p- pooling together so that they can go out to other people. They had a whole room in their house they couldn't use. You want to talk about constrained? Constricted? I'm chained for something. But it's because, why? It's because they could see. They could see, Lord... These folks need something. These folks have something to give. There's a gap in between. I think I can fill that gap. I think I can let them know that somebody loves you in this community. And that same person also loves them. How do I think about God when things are difficult? How do I think about myself and how do I think about others? Again, all the, the, the team up here, didn't they do a good job leading this morning? Andrew and Heather out of town. Every time they go out of town, something breaks. Every time. And we don't know how to fix it. We try to. We want to. But they get, they get here and even run into that. It's like, well, this thing's buzzing. We don't know why it's buzzing. We don't know how to make it stop. What are we going to do? Nobody had a bad attitude. Nobody threw up their hands and said, if y'all can't get something that'll work in here, I'm all... Uh-uh. It's just like, well, how can we make it work? How can we lift Jesus up today? Because people are going to come and this is going to help prepare their heart for what the Lord might say to them and put them in a position to be able to hear. Again, constrained. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of somebody else. He's not got me locked up because I need to be. I mean, he might. (laughs) He might restrain you because you need restraining. But as you grow and you mature, you realize, why am I being constrained? Maybe. It's because he wants to work on somebody else's behalf. So you embrace the difficulty as you walk led by the Spirit, knowing that his grace is sufficient. Just like Jesus told Paul, I'm sending you to a people that are in darkness and that are blinded and that are under the power of Satan. And I'm giving you a message 
that is going to move them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that their sins would be forgiven and that there's a share and an inheritance for them and those who are being sanctified in Christ Jesus. There's a difficulty, but there's also a direction. And we want to walk with Him closely enough that when we're enduring that difficulty, that we can be patient and go, Lord, you're going to bless somebody out of this. I thank you that I'm, my, my mind isn't so microscopic that I'm just focused on how this is affecting me. Because Paul could have done that. He could have just focused on how this was affecting him. And you want to talk about stuff we ain't never had to deal with, he had to deal with it. And he said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. And so the question I would leave you with, those questions obviously, but this one as, as we pray, what would you endure so that others would find hope and Christ would be glorified? Lord, what would I endure so that others would find hope and Christ would be glorified? Be careful if you ask him that. Be careful if you ask him that because he may give you an answer. But here's what I know. When he's giving you that opportunity, he's giving you that calling, he will fund it. You can choose to try to walk in it by yourself. That's not going to go well for you. If you try to do it in your own strength and all the ones that have done it, they can tell you, if I try to do it in my own strength, that's when I get frustrated. That's when I get tired. That's when I get aggravated. That's when I want to quit. When you're looking at quitting something. And again, there are things we need to quit. This is one of the things I want to share with them tomorrow. There are things that we need to quit doing. And we, you know, by wisdom and a renewed mind, we know which ones those are. We know which ones those are. But when I want to quit, just because it's difficult, before I do that, maybe I should ask myself, maybe I just need to quit doing it like I'm doing it. Maybe I don't actually need to quit on my marriage, on my kids, on my job, on my, on my ministry. Maybe I don't need to quit, but I may need to quit how it is that I'm doing it. I may need to quit doing it like this because there's a better way to do what it is I'm wanting to quit doing. Don't quit when you just may need to quit the way that you're doing it. You may be bringing some of that difficulty on yourself. He'll give you wisdom. He'll lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Don't quit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you do a whole lot in just a few verses, don't you? I thank you for laying this before us today. I thank you first for laying it before me, God, that all of these hit me in the heart and in the face first so that I can learn from you and be encouraged by you and that you can give me what I need to walk into tomorrow and the next day and the next day, growing and maturing by faith. I thank you that as we hear from you today that we'll see differently our attitude when we run into difficulties and strenuous circumstances. I thank you that you'll help us walking by the Spirit. When we're walking close with you, we see things so much more clearly that we'll know. That we'll know if we're wearing this chain that it's for you or if this is something that we need to take off.
And I thank you that you lead us in those paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I thank you, Lord, that your gospel, your good news, and your message is for everyone so that those who are in darkness would see a great light and those who are blind would have their eyes opened, that they move from the power of Satan being under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness and being moved into the kingdom of your dear son. I thank you for the hope that we, we, Lord, we've seen people who had no hope find hope, who had no peace find peace, who had no joy find joy, and who had no well-being in their soul be restored and sanctified in you. Your gospel is your power unto salvation for those who believe. For the Jews first, and also for all the outsiders, all those who were worshiping other gods, all those who were dead in their sins and trespasses, and we say thank you. Lord, as we go out today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity with one another. And I thank you that we contemplate where we are, what we're doing. We can't afford to do that every day and all day, Lord, because our, our brains can't handle it. But I thank you that you've given us some moments in time that we can stand back and reflect on where I am and what's my attitude towards you and where I am. What's my attitude about myself, where I am, and what's my attitude towards others, where it is that I am. And I thank you, Lord, that you deal with us as sons and daughters graciously and firmly to lead us into where you've called us to be. I thank you that you'll give us wisdom to know that we may not be held back where we are. We may just be held in place for what it is that you're about to do. And we trust you. And we love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.